Now that everybody realizes who everybody's working for, I mean, my God, this guy here was the foundation of the WCW. Now he works for the NWO. I'll tell you what, stand him up, but watch him. Watch him real close. Hey, you know something, Piper? You're a loser fighting a losing battle. You have never been anything in the wrestling business. And until you wrestled me, Piper, nobody even knew your name. Now, Rowdy Roddy Piper is such a coward, he won't even sign a contract to wrestle me. And since you won't get in the ring with me, Piper, you will never be anything, my man. I think it's time to teach you a little respect, Piper. I'm gonna go throw it's up. I, I just don't believe it. I just can't believe what I've seen. I can't either. We gotta go. We gotta go. We'll see everybody next Monday. Sickening. This is sickening. Absolutely. of wrestling I lived on the 12th floor I wore the suit and tie I talked with the suits 
every day. I said, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. And now you know what? You can take them suits and shove it, baby. I can say that. They moved me down. They moved me down to do some color commentating. And after carrying Tony Schiavone for so many years, oh, I got so tired of it. I got so sick and tired of it. I got pain tired of it. You don't have to take that. Tony. And then you know what, brother? Easy E Bishop Easdia, a man of vision, a man of one hell of a vision. And the New World Order became the sounding board for wrestling as we know it. The New World Order is why you are here tonight. The New World Order is why you watch television. The New World Order is why you go to the arenas. The New World Order is what makes everybody a living at WCW. Because everybody knows when you're NWO, you NWO. Now, dear. Let me tell you one other thing here before you start that music. Tony Schiavone said, why don't somebody go down and do something about this? Why don't somebody jump up and go down and do something about this? I went down, I did something about it, and Larry Zabisco, let me tell you something, there is no comeback. There will be no comeback. And all you marks on the internet, there will be no comeback. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man.
What's going on there, Reflection Knights? What is going on there to the Hami Knights? I would say what's going on to the PWC Knights, but Jimmy T, what is going on, man? You haven't uploaded shit even for your own shows, man. I've been looking, I've been seeing it. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Jimmy, you're, you know, you do all the other stuff for Hami Media, but then you don't do stuff for your own baby? What the fuck is going on here? But I'm going to say PWC Knights one more week. And then I might have to say, I'm not going to say anything after that. But what is going on to all the ice out there? The left, the right, the Dems, the Repubs. What is going on there to the Magnificent 70, Elite 8, the 99, the Triple 10? What's going on to Christopher Paul, Bruce Whitman, uh, Scott Wood, Donnie Day One, Greenpeace, Michael Davis, Jeff Lipman, all the ice out there. The Gooch, even though probably he hasn't said anything to me on Instagram or anything, but you know what? I still recognize you. Game, recognize game to all the Magnificent Seven members. But anyway, neither here nor there, but welcome, oh, welcome to the PWR podcast at the Hami Media Group at Podbeam.com. I would say PWC.com, uh, but like I said, Jimmy hasn't uploaded shit. I haven't, ch- I haven't seen anything. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm on a different account or something, but anyway, neither here nor there. But you can tell. We haven't been on in, in a couple of, in about a week because somebody was on vacation. Somebody had the butt orgies and the man is sitting with the butt cushions. You know, I don't know if he got his ass reamed out there, but it doesn't matter. But he's back in the good old US of A. He is back to like talk about certain things because you know what? I found out something while this man was away. As people know, there is no more Vince McMahon anymore. Vince McMahon is out of the WWE. So, you know, I'm giving you a little bit of the present and then we'll get into our PWR spotlight and I'll tell you what we're gonna do. But you know what? I don't know, this is, I got good sources. But during one of Vince McMahon's um, pee fetishes, shit fetishes, all I know is that in 2005, he did something with a woman and a druid. Who could a druid have been? I don't know. I'm just saying, if I if my math was correct, my man TW was a druid in 2005. I ain't saying he did it. I ain't saying he's shitting on women. I ain't saying he's pissing on women like R. Kelly. But again, Vince McMahon, a druid, and a woman. I don't know. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I'm I'm, I'm putting the conspiracy theory out there, but neither here nor there. But again. Welcome to the PWR Podcast. Welcome to the PWR Spotlight. And it is I, the quintessential stud monkey. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC, PWC, Jimmy T, ah, wink, wink, punditry. The only objective man in this political hemisphere. The only objective man in this social media conundrum. The Professor Chabel Bell Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I'm here with my brother from another mother. Maybe he was the druid. I don't know. I'm just saying. What? He is the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, dum dum do it song, the Iron Stomach one, Mr. Wonderful, the Tommy Wonder. Welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? And let's dispel the rumors. You was not the druid with Vince McMahon. I just said this is my sources. I got I a druid. Too, I spent too much time getting shit on by women figuratively to actually be shitting uh, on them literally. So it was uh, not. Could have been Larry Destiny. Could have been. Uh, Jeff Cavanaugh could have been one of those guys. Could have been Jimmy Trump. I don't know. Wasn't me. All right. I'm, I'm just making sure because we got to get all the rumors out of the way. Because again, PWR podcast is as transparent as we can be. 
All I just knew is that, that a druid was shitting on some women too in 2005, and you was a druid in 2005. That's all it was. So we dispelled the rumors again. All right, Magnificent Seven, we dispelled those rumors. But anyway, TW, it's nice to have you back and all that stuff. But we must do what we do best. And again, and again, for a reflection, nice. TW just came back home. So you know what? The bags is not fully unpacked. TW is on jet lag. He's on boat lag. He's on a lot of lag here. So you know what? I am, he's doing me a favor. He's doing me a service. And I will repay him by doing a nice, not abbreviated uh, spotlight. But we will be informative. We will remember the, the, the nostalgic ways as we always do. But of course, I must let TW rest because he's been lagged. Boat-wise, plane-wise, butt-wise, neither here nor there. But again, we must do what we do best. Are you ready, TW, for it? Yes. <laughs> See, he is the man. He is the analytical genius. He, he gives you one of the most clear, concise, informative answers out there. So we're going to go into this. So for the Reflection Nights, we are doing a very special pro wrestling spotlight. And like we always do, this one has got of a caveat, TW. So I'm going to try to explain it right here because, you know, we do pro wrestling spotlights. And I kind of like title it Greatest Heel Turns and Greatest Babyface Turns. This one is a conundrum to the professor. This one is a conundrum to the IWC, YWC, PWC, TW, because we are going to focus. Technically, it was met on paper between Bischoff and Hogan and Nash and Hall and all this stuff that this would become a heel turn. So the spotlight we're going to do, Reflection Nights, is greatest heel turns. Joining the New World Order. Too sweet. Put the signs up there, Reflection Ice. But anyway, neither here nor there. But TW, before we even talk about the people who did that, did the ultimate heel turns, technically, you know, it is hard to say what we can define it because it's not as black and white. On paper, before, you know, it all panned out on Monday Night Nitro, before it all panned out on a, on a WCW pay-per-view, it was meant to be a heel turn where somebody, you know, went to the dark side, if you will, and joined the NWO. But there was a problem. The problem was the 90s. The problem was the IWC, YWC. They were not uh, used, they were not going with the traditions. The NWO was cool. So what was meant to be a heel turn, sometimes turn, I can't call it a babyface turn, but I will call it a cool turn. What say you, TW, about that assessment? That's that's how it went. I, I think I told you 94 is when I had my first match. 95 was when I became Los Rudos. And I was told that we were going to start off as heels. But by our third month, we would be baby faces. And I didn't understand that because we were doing all heel shit. Mm -hmm. That Taylor, Michigan crowd was very much like an ECW crowd, which was what the WCW crowd ended up turning into. And then, obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the same thing. He was a bad guy that got cheered because kids grew up and they liked the cool bad guy now. So when the NWO was running shit, they also like winners. The NWO never lost. Mm -hmm. so the fact that they were running everybody out of town, who, who wants to cheer for the losers? They cheer for the winners. 
Absolutely. And, and I'll say this, and I'll put a bow on this on my end, and TW, you are welcome to retort back. Because like I said, on paper, it was meant to be a heel turn. On paper, it was meant to be, you know, the dark side against tradition and all that stuff. It was supposed to be, we celebrated nostalgia. We celebrated the traditions of WCW, which was the NWA days and the Crockett stuff. And TW, you know, it must be an earthquake because, he, the, you know, the, the camera's moving, reflects nice, but neither here nor there because, again, you know, if A-Track Brown, the, the slowest motherfucker out there, and again, the PWS was on a strike right now with YouTube because of, you know, uh, democratic policies that we did not adhere to, we are on suspension. So this might not be on YouTube anyway, so neither here nor there. So the audio reflection nice will hear this more than the, the YouTube reflection nice. But again, neither here nor there. But again... Like I said, and you said it perfectly, you know, we cheered the winners. But again, this was a cool factor with the NWO. Just like you said, ECW, Los Rudos, the presentation that you was bringing to the audience was a cool factor. And you was trying to like, and, and the same crowd, and again, ECW, no matter, and the people that you de dealt with in Taylor, Michigan, it almost was like reverse psychology or maybe psychological torture. You know how that they, they always say, like, when you're with your, uh, your, your, your hostage people, the people that put you, take you hostage and all that stuff, you, you grow accustomed to them. You almost, uh, what is that called? The Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. The word is Stockholm Syndrome. You eventually love your perpetrators. You eventually love the evil people. You will ride or die with them. So in the same way, you told people in Taylor, Michigan, TW, go F yourself. You told them to kiss my ass. You called, You told them to die. And what was their reaction? Yes! Los Rulos told me to die! Yes! I love it! They're the best! They told me to suck it! Same thing with the NWO. They said WCW people sucked. And again, reflection I remember, Scott Hall himself. And TW, you know this. Well, he, you, technically, he didn't watch it, but so I have to remind him. Scott Hall, weekly on Nitros, did surveys. He asked the fans, were you here for WCW? You heard a, a preponderance of booze. And then when they, he said, are you here for the NWO? The, the crowd roared. The arena cheered. And what did Scott Hall say? One more for the good guys. Very sarcastically, but people, guess what? The people did, Reflection Nights. They said, yes, we are part of the NWO. So, TW, agree with that assessment, or you have a different take on it? I agree with it, but I, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with it when you said Stockholm Syndrome, but I think there's another part. This is around the dawning of the Smart Mark era, well, right? Okay. So, it's almost like liking the NWO, liking Stone Cold Steve Austin was the same mentality as Die, Rocky, Die die rocky uh -huh. die these fans were like this is what you want us to cheer for screw you we're cheering for this and the nwo is this is what you want us to boo we're gonna cheer it but what i love that you just said about scott hall is the smart mark inevitably is the dum dum because what they did was they they made something over that was supposed to be making something else over and and in doing so, they then flipped the script on the fans and purposely wanted you to cheer for the NWO, and then you did it. Because that's mm -hmm. why he did those surveys, right? There's mm -hmm. no other reason to do them unless you know the outcome. If you do it because you're trying to get them to start cheering for WCW, the second it started booze, 
they wouldn't they would have stopped doing it they wouldn't right. keep doing it so they they smart mark the smart marks and that's why i think a lot of them cheered plus it, it you know eventually they wanted cena to turn heel right he never did it but people i don't know that people knew they wanted hogan to turn bad they just knew they didn't want hogan as a good guy and right. so maybe hogan turning bad is what relit a fire for some of these people who were just droned out now, I don't mean that in E-Drone. That's the fucking dumbest thing ever. That's even worse than Forbidden Door. But E-Drone, I mean, they were just, just tuned out. They were they were this close to not being wrestling fans anymore, right? And then, boom, perfect storm. You got the NWO on one side. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin beating up his boss on the other side. And, and everybody wins. And it's a boom. And, and, again, because the people pulling the strings are the smart ones, they made it work in their favor. Because the two bad guys... Who ended up being the most popular good guys that sold the most shorts shirts were NWO and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Those those mm-hmm. they just sold out of shit. Right. And, and reflectionize for the audio reflectionize. If you hear a little bit of a twang in TW's voice, uh, the other day TW went to a Village People reunion concert <laughs> and he was singing Macho Man. He was singing YMCA and he was really. Yelling out in the Navy. I don't know why, but he told me all this. It's in the DMs. He slid into the professor's DMs. No homo there. But anyway, just in case you hear a little bit of a raspy voice, TW was relishing a Village People reunion concert. But again, <laughs> let's go into certain instances of the supposedly greatest heel turn or the greatest babyface turn, whatever the way you will look at it, reflectionize. And we will start with the most infamous one. And you just said it yourself. And we've done, you know, many shows about this from Bash at the Beach 1996, where the infamous third man revealed himself to be Hulk Hogan. So reflectionize, again, just what TW said, I'm just going to exacerbate it a little bit more, if you will. Hulk Hogan in WCW from 94 to, let's say, June of 1996, he started with a thunder. Business-wise, it was a, it was a coup for WCW to get him. But fandom-wise, the Southern Wrestling fan wasn't, you know, supportive of Hulkamania, wasn't supportive of the guy who, rep, who was kicking NWA's ass all those years. He was the, he was the evil man from up north. That's what the Southern wrestling fans, you know, really looked at Hogan, Hogan that way. And in 1995, they were booing him during Nitros. They were booing him during Halloween Havoc. And, and of course, people were laughing at Hogan getting humped by the Yeti, Yeti and the Giant. But again, that's another story for another day. But I'm going to put it in, in this bold terms. And, and TW will solidify it a little bit here and there, like I said. You know, his voice is a little bit raspy, so you might hear the, the professor a little bit more. So I'm going to carry the load. And if TW, you know, for the audios, if you don't hear him, he might do a little sign language. He might shake his head. But again, he's riding with us. But when Bash at the Beach 1996 came, you said it yourself. The smart marks knew Hogan. Something was special with Hogan coming out. Something was special with Hogan, you know, coming down the aisle. But of course, if you saw it in the pay-per-view, Bobby Heaton kind of like let let the cat out the bag. Yeah, but whose side is he on? Whose side is he on? But again, if you remember history, Reflectionites, he never liked Hogan from jump. He never he never trusted him and all that stuff. And what he did to Macho Man, the 
the the roar, the thunderous roar of the of the smart marks was waiting for this. They wanted this. They needed this. But yet still, TW, it was one of the greatest heel turns in wrestling history. So, you know, again, with whatever left is left in your raspy voice, just put a bow on it. I, I agree. And it's so awesome that it worked because I don't think Sting being the backup guy would have worked. It wouldn't have had the same. Um, it, you know how I feel about it. Like Sting was in the match, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Who was the guy missing? They didn't have a third guy. No, Luger was taken out earlier in the yeah. match. It was then so Sting, Sting and Macho Man are the ones wrestling the whole match. And then Sting mm-hmm. then turns on Macho Man to become the third member. It's dumb. It's absolutely right. dumb. You'd almost have Luger have to be the guy to come out and do it. Like he fake being hurt so he didn't have to beat up Hall and Nash. We, so we Hogan did, doing we, it. We did we did that what if scenario. So I'm just giving that yeah, for all the Hogan Hogan being the guy, I don't think it works any other way. It does not work because what you had was two guys who just left WWE that felt like because they didn't have that 90 day no com- well, one of them had the 90 day. I didn't, I think Kevin Nash had a little less than that, but they showed up. And it looked like they were on there for WWE, like a legit invasion. Mm-hmm. There's nobody better at the time, unless you could have got Bret Hart then. There's nobody who's the face of the WWE to make it feel even more like, holy shit, he's been the mole here the whole time. He It has been WWF trying to... You know what's funny, though, in hindsight? What's that? <clears throat> they weren't really WWE guys coming to take over. But in the end, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. WWE yeah. took over. Well, and uh, again, and again, rest your voice a little bit. I'm just going to put it out there for the reflection eyes here. Again, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall said this on Kayfabe commentaries, reflection nights, that the, the, the audience itself were hipped, were, were as hip as part of, you know, knowing what's up happening in the business. But yet, they were still intrigued by the fact that they thought, and like you said, it was the smart marks being marked themselves. They thought it was in conjunction with Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff working together to put this plan in motion. So in essence, yes, it looked like WWF was invading WCW. But in, in reality, yeah, the contract and the 90-day no-compete no clauses, you don't have to get into the logistics. But, but the appearance on TV was so masterful that you couldn't boo them. It was just all it was. Again, the smart ones is like, yes, this is what we want. Real life, realistic <laughs> shit. Yes. Give me more. Give me more. And then when Hogan was, again, the peace state resistance, the perfect third person to become the newest member of the NWO and became the leader of the new world order. So the, the, the thing about the NWO turns reflection, again, it was supposed it, it was supposed to elevate certain people if they needed a little spark plug, needed, needed a little juice in their careers, if we have reflection nights. So I'm not gonna give we're not gonna do every heel turn or every you know person joining the NWO be a long ass show. And I don't want to get again, TW's voice is raspy, and I'm not gonna punish him for that. So I'm gonna try to focus on certain, you know, uh, memorable turns to the NWO folk foil if you will reflectionites so with that being said let's talk about one of the most infamous turns and it involved the executive vice president himself eric bischoff 
joining into the NWO fold and TW. And I'll say this, you know, on paper, I think Eric Bischoff did not want to like overshadow, you know, the wrestling part of what it was supposed to be when it was supposed to be NWO versus WCW. This is my, my take on this again, Eric Bischoff, you know, his 83 weeks podcast, you know, sometimes he pats him on, he pats himself on the back so much because again, he was part of this and 83 weeks and beating, you know, raw all that time. He deserves a little pat on the back, but maybe he might've changed the history a little bit, but this is the way I, I kind of gathered it after hindsight. Maybe he didn't want to be part of the NWO because then it would look a little bit weird in the business sense, he might have wanted to keep it wrestling centric between, you know, NWO guy, wrestling guys against WCW wrestling guys. Before he turned, you already had Ted DiBiase in the NWO. So he was the supposed billion dollar man or the money man behind the NWO. So technically, did you really need Eric Bischoff? And in hindsight, yes, you did because you needed some, you needed the, uh, the double agent, if you will, you needed somebody within the infrastructure of WCW who is allowing Hogan to get over on WCW people, who is allowing Nash and Hall to get over on WCW people, who is allowing Ted DiBiase to come in and use his money and his uh, influence to, you know, to get people to buy out their contracts and all that stuff. So what say you about Eric Bischoff turning? Because in essence, you know, people remember Mr. McMahon, TW as the greatest, you know, corporate <laughs> villain. But he, he, he you didn't see that first. You only saw that on, on Memphis Wrestling TV, and that was localized. So Mr. McMahon was technically a good guy until 1997. So Bischoff already was a year in on the heel turn before McMahon went nationwide with the most famous heel turn as a corporate villain boss. What say you? I think the big difference is, is people looked at Bischoff as the commentator, not as the owner. I know some people knew he was the boss, if you will. Well, but, like you said, the smart marks already knew this, so you know. Right, the, but, but, but the no common, people. the common people who who never quit, who were there all along, they were just like he was the commentator guy. It would be like Jim Ross doing it, right? So, <clears throat> um, so Vince doing it was the straight up owner, and there was no doubt about it. Everybody knew it was the owner. Uh -huh. the boss and i think in time bishop evolved into being that right like people knew more people knew after that than when he did it right uh -huh. and so and i and ever if i recall he was just a commentator when he revealed that he was the guy behind it right well technically he he wanted to be just strictly commentator but during the nitro days you know he kind of let it out the bag that he's the boss so, you know, people are watching the, the TV itself knew that Eric Bischoff was the guy. And when he like did his interviews, he kind of had he kind of like made it seem like he had the stroke with the, the contract talks. He had the stroke to, you know, sign the matches for pay-per-views and nitros and all that stuff. So he kind of like let the cat out of the bag, you know, organically himself. So I'm just giving you that logistic answer. Here's what startles me, startles me. Uh, it was news to me. Uh -huh. What do you call it? Mandela effect, right? So <clears throat> my memories are Hogan, Hall, and Nash are the original three. Uh -huh. Kind of vaguely remember DiBiase coming right away because um, it was just to hurry up and throw a WWE guy there. That's how he debuted. Uh -huh. um, but Big Show joined before X-Pac. I thought X-Pac was the original fourth guy, 
right? Like, DiBiase was the manager, but it mm-hmm. was Big Show, and then the NWO Sting, and then X-Pac. So it's it's nuts to me. Well, we don't have to um, go into, like, the, the order of turns. I'm just trying to focus on Bischoff itself. I understand where you're going with this. I just want right. to say for, for, the ter- for, for Bischoff, it's big because he forced McMahon to up, you know, let's say get the ball rolling and changing his style, changing his right. philosophy. For sure. He but, was but my point first... about Bischoff, yeah. my point about Bischoff was, I was getting to that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the four of them with Xbox, Hall, Nash, Hogan. Mm-hmm. And I vaguely I, I remember Big Show fought them before turning. And, well, don't and... forget Virgil or Vincent. We That's what there. I'm telling you. Yeah. But Virgil, X-Pac, NWO Sting, uh, Kyle Petty, Miss Elizabeth, and Nick Patrick were all there before Bischoff. And, and my memory is he was right after the four. That's what I'm telling you is yeah. like, but now when I see this list of people that were in it before him, it's like, holy shit. He had to do it because if he doesn't, it's already so watered down by all these other people. And granted, Nick Patrick wasn't a, he was their ref. He wasn't mm-hmm. NWO for life. I mean, he was, but he wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Virgil, uh, Vincent, I'm sorry. Miss Elizabeth and, and DiBiase were just cornermen. Mm-hmm. But I swear Big Show joined way later because he was fighting them before he turned on Macho Man or somebody. No. He was he just joined straight away. He 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 joined after he lost the belt to Hogan at Hogwild. So it was just it was a couple of weeks after. Uh, yeah, yeah. my memories are not as crisp, crisp, crystal clear as yours. Well, with that being said, you know a great example of the turn, and we can go with the Big Show, aka the Giant Paul White himself, because some wrestlers needed a boost. Some wrestlers needed that, you know extra oomph if you will reflectionize and the big show was a perfect example because like tw said and you know let him let him rest his raspy voice here it was supposed to be former wwe stalwarts if you will because it was hall and nash they represented wwe hogan represented wwe of the 80s teddy biasi represented wwe vincent ak virgil represented wwe Six came, or six Pac came, well, because WWE didn't want him. So WCW would take him. But again, he was a stalwart of WWE. So guess what we're saying, Reflectionites? They were, it was, you know, the focus is former WWE guys invading the WCW people. So you're trying to create two organizations. You're trying to create WWE versus WCW. But again, like TW says, some things get warded down, and sometimes you need to pivot. And you know, some people w- from within have got to betray WCW. But that's what they're that's what they were doing, though. They were taking over and mm-hmm. having someone from WCW join them means you sold out WCW. So it made sense. And and I prefer Big Show in his prime. He he should retire twenty years ago, but in his mm-hmm. prime, he was legit. And right. and him doing it. Gave him more heat, but somehow they got cheered. Yeah. And the reason that Big Show needed it, because, again, maybe if you look at it, Reflection Nights, it didn't look like it, it made sense. Because why 
Would Big Show want to join the NWO when the NWO humiliated the Big Show at Hogwild in August of 1996, stole the WCW Heavyweight Championship from him, kept the nameplate on the, uh, the, the original belt while Hogan just spray-painted NWO, so you're embarrassing him psychologically, but, you know, in kayfabe, he was in. He was having meetings, backdoor meetings, not the home away, but he was having backdoor meetings with Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and Hollywood Hulk Hogan was promising him movies, promising him more money, promising him big houses on the hills and all that stuff. And the Big Show, technically, if you really like looked at it and peeled the curtains back, T.W., he was in his twenties. He was still a kid at heart, if you will, like young in the young in, in like no wisdom, if you will. Young with no experience, of the, very green of the business. So Hogan is giving you the keys to the castle and maybe the, the quick come up, if you will. So it made all the sense in the world for the big show to turn over to the dark side of the NWO. But like you and I have said, it was a cool thing to do when he turned on the Dungeon of Doom, when they took down the Nitro set, you know, and then Hogan spit on the Nitro symbol and all that stuff. People didn't boo. People might have threw the, the garbage and stuff like that, but they were like throwing and saying, yeah, they were throwing Throw the treasure too. Yeah. And all, all that shit too. So, you know, TW, if your voice can hold off, put a bow on the big show and, and what he offered in he your offered mind. To that legitimacy. I mean, he, he, they came in to take over mm-hmm. and who was obviously stings their guy, but who is their biggest guy? Like who, who would stings hate to lose? Big show. Nobody else. Right. Man's 107. Luger Tec- fucking and, can't and te- be trusted. And technically, Reflection Knights, Big Show is the biggest threat to the NWO. Right. The biggest threat to Hulk Hogan and taking back the title. So it made all the sense in the world. So let me, we have to talk For about the record, I know Big Show and Sting weren't a team, but inevitably you set up the line. Well, they, they, were a team in, they were a team in 98, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, that, that's, <laughs> I meant when Big Show turned. It I was know. I'm just turning on, and it's funny because Big Show, his debut was to kill Hogan with the Dungeon of Doom, and then he joined him when Hogan became a bad guy. And somehow, you make Kevin Sullivan a good guy. It's weird. Very weird. But again, it was very enjoyable TV back in 1996. But some of these heel turns, Reflectionites, I'm not going to say didn't make no sense, but you you knew that they needed it. They they needed that push, like I said. They needed that that oomph and all that stuff. And the and the one of the best examples of that was Marcus Alexander Bagwell, aka Buff Bagwell. And you know, legitimately, Reflectionites, he didn't do it during a match to join the NWO. If people remember, Eric Bischoff said, "You got thirty minutes. The clock is ticking. You better turn your WCW contracts into NWO contracts." And the first person that walked in and said, yes, I will take it, is Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And where were you, Reflectionites, on that fateful day when the American males broke up? I know I cried. Did you cry, too? I know you did. But anyway, neither here nor there. But, TW, as I've, I said this on a previous PWR podcast, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, he was gifted a lot of, you know, he was gifted tag team championship reigns with some great uh, partners like Two Cold Scorpio, The Patriot, and all that stuff. He was gifted this great angle of the NWO. So this way, 
as green as he was, he could then develop into that heel persona and that natural charisma can come out. And in a couple of years later, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, you didn't call him that anymore. You call him Buff Bagwell, Buff the Stuffs. So he needed the NWO worked. more. It worked for him because it was a blessing and a curse. So it's the reason oh. he got uh, ego, but it mm-hmm. was it was absolutely game changing for him in the business. Yeah, he just needed it so this way he could gain the confidence himself. I, I I'm not saying he didn't have no confidence, T.W. Don't get me wrong, but I think he just knew that he needed something to change to you know keep going with his career in professional wrestling. If he didn't do this, if he didn't join, he was going to be that guy that was getting his ass beat by Virgil every Monday night or every WCW Saturday night show. So he did not want to get embarrassed and then get, you know, be out of the in the business like in the year after that. So Buff Bagwell needed that heel turn. One of the most infamous uh joins of the NWO if you will reflectionize happened on a pay-per-view. And that was one of TW's favorites, one of TW's Mount Rushmore's, if you will, of the Intercontinental Champions, one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions of all time. That was Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. During uh, Fall Brawl 1997, you know, I'll I'll say this for semantics, TW, and and of course, with his raspy voice, he'll probably just nod his head or shake his head, but neither here nor there. But... Mr. Perfect was being built as a great free agent pickup. Again, we we knew that his time was was the clock was ticking with his back. The clock was ticking with the ailments that he was dealing with. So, you know, again, he took the money. I, I ain't mad at that. He he took the less dates. I ain't mad at that either. It's a, he's a businessman. So if you're getting more money for less dates, we you and I would both take it. But during the TV, he was being courted by the four horsemen. He was courted by Ric Flair to become the new Arn Anderson because Arn Anderson had to retire because of his ailments and injuries. But it, it all culminated in War Games 1997, where it was supposedly the NWO took out the ringer, if you will, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. And then he comes out with, like, I think a bandage around his arm or whatever, took off the bandage. And then went into the cage and took out Chris Benoit, took out Mongo, took out Ric Flair and, you know, put the the steel cage door to uh, Ric Flair. Now, it was supposed, again, this is where it was a great example of that, that this was a heel turn because I think uh, Fall Brawl was actually in supposedly Horseman Country. I think it was in one of the Carolinas. So they bought into that and they got it. And WCW got that reaction out of it. But then the fallout from that was, again, it was another guy like Mr. Perfect. He was already a cool character with his persona and charisma, natural charisma. So when you go to the other neighboring towns, they're giving the two sweets to Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. So what say you about Mr. Perfect joining the NWO? It was a heel turn in the right arena because it was flare country. But then the after effects, just, he was just another cool guy joining the cool kids. I remember this vaguely. I wasn't all in on it, but I remember it. And I remember being disappointed because now he's just another guy in there. Because at this point, there are already fucking 100 of them, right? Not, mm-hmm. trust me, wait, there's more. But at that point, he's just just one more cog in the wheel, right? And But he would have been an absolutely perfect horseman. But you said something that made me think, maybe not. Because you said he wanted to be the Arn. He would have been a better Tully or mm-hmm. Wyndham. 
as the second guy who would be the U.S. champion or the, you know, the other no, I'm just champion. I'm just giving the logistics of what was the circumstances no, that he, no, they wanted. No, I know, I know, but Mr. Perfect, Ric Flair, Mongo, McMichael, and Chris Benoit would not be a good four horsemen. Mm-hmm. Arn, Arn Tully, Perfect, and Flair would have been fucking gold, right? Or Arn Perfect Barry and Flair, or but Mongo McMichael, God bless him. I know he's in a bad way. Worst prop him and Malenko might be the two worst horsemen not named Ole Anderson of all time. They just they just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as a knock towards either one of them as humans, as their business. They just didn't fit. And Mongo looked like the guy who wanted to be with the cool kids, and someone finally let him. Like in modern terms. It would be our truth trying to be in Judgment Day. It, he doesn't right. fit, uh-huh. and perfect fit. He fit in the Horseman with Arn Tully Flair. He fit if it was Wyndham Arn Flair. He fit if it was Sid uh, Arn Flair. Well, I, I, he to- fit. I I totally understand. And the joint the NWO looks like he took the easy way out. If we're doing kayfabe, right? But it, the reality is, he's another former WWE guy that's now in the NWO. That and you know you could look at it in a different way in the hindsight way reflectionites where Bischoff just wanted to embarrass the full Horseman legacy wanted right. to embarrass Ric Flair For again sure. you know For because sure. because I'm not saying he well I guess we could say that he didn't respect the the history and the con- contributions of the full Horseman if he was gonna re- if he was gonna really have the you know WCW versus NWO. Four horsemen should have been that one group that was leading the charge against them, but then you make them look like uh, four Brooklyn brawlers getting their ass beat every goddamn week. That's the way. And what you could have done, this would have been cool in hindsight. Instead of having all those people that joined the NWO against the horsemen, what you could have done is you had the four there, and then all the dudes that were horsemen. Could have made the horseman bigger to make the horseman versus the NWO an epic, like Secret Wars type shit and Marvel, where any mm-hmm. Luger would have been with him, Sting would have been with him, obviously Flair, Mongo, Dean, and and Benoit. Sid could have been with him. Um, I don't know where Barry was at the time. I don't remember Barry being around for the NWO. Um, uh, well, technically, he was in the WWE at this time, so you know. Toiling, if you will, but again, that's yeah. neither here nor there. But any any NWO guy or any WWE guy that came in and wasn't a horseman should have went to them, and anybody mm-hmm. that came in that was a horseman should have went to them. Bring Tully back, just so you have just like this this who's who of former horsemen. It would have been awesome. Well, again, we're doing hindsight booking reflection. Actually, yeah, if you wanted to bring back NWA guys to be part of the horseman or just be part of WCW, it makes sense. But again, you know, neither here nor there. And of course, Bischoff was. You know, you couldn't convince Eric Bischoff anything or to, you know, to, you know, go a different direction because he was winning the war, if you will. 83 weeks is still 83 weeks. So let's look at it again, maybe a couple of more turns to the dark side, if you will, uh, TW. And again, another, uh, I guess you would say infamous turn that was necessary, if you will, was the big bad booty daddy himself. Scott Steiner. Now again, TW, like you always say, like with the rocker analogy, somebody got to be Shawn Michaels and somebody got to be Marty Jannetty. And this is no disrespect to the Steiner brothers, but 
I think Scott Steiner thought of himself as Shawn Michaels, and he thought of Rick Steiner as Marty Jannetty. But again, you know, Rick Steiner was not no Marty Jannetty. He's he had a pretty respectable singles career himself. But Scott Steiner knew that his time had come, and he had nothing left to prove in the tag team world. And again, he needed a boost. He needed a jolt in his career, and he needed to take that next step. You like you said, it's kind of like the easy way out to join the NWO. But yet he needed that. So this way he could, let's say, separate himself from Rick Steiner, separate himself from being the quote unquote tag team wrestler. Even though NWO is a group of 150 people, I get you. But that's a faction, not a tag team. So if you can separate yourself, that works in a certain way. And again, he was smart enough to say, I got to change my look, too. I couldn't have the black flowing hair. I had to cut it down. I got to look a little bit more like superstar Billy Graham. I got to look like Jesse Body Ventura. I got to look like a little bit of Hulk Hogan with the blonde stuff. I got to, you know, I got to look like Triple H with the steroids. Again, neither here nor there. That's a legend. But again, he had to separate himself. Maybe joining the NWO was a was the quick fix to do it, but he needed to join the NWO. What say you about Scott Steiner when he turned to the dark? I think I think changing everything he changed was too much because I went from being a Scott Steiner fan to not being a Scott Steiner fan. And it wasn't because he turned heel. It was okay. because it was too much. Like if you put a Steiner Brothers figure next to a big pop pump figure and you ask somebody who was who, no, most people, who, unless they know, would not know it was the same person. It's, it's that drastic. And I think uh-huh. the gear change from the singlet to the – he had booty shorts first and then pants later – I think uh-huh. that was smart. Get rid of the, the singlet. Get rid of that yeah. whole squeaky clean college athlete look. Uh, uh-huh. Cut the hair fine, but bleaching it. And then Billy Graham and his it, he he went from looking like a young guy to looking like an old guy in one gimmick change. Like he looked ten years older when he dyed his hair and beard. It it, it was not a good look for me. Whereas Rick, when Rick had that bite me and all that, he looked like. The same guy is Hot Stuff International, same as the Steiner Brothers, but looked like an angry version of it. And I and I liked Rick's uh-huh. gear change more than Scott's. But Scott turning on Rick, I believe we were, we watched it. It was like a hog wild or whatever against the Harlem Heat. It was awesome. Or no, it was against Holland Nash. And uh-huh. it was awesome. It was you didn't see it coming. Brothers didn't really turn on brothers like that. Owen and Brett was different. The way they did it, it was he screwed him by throwing in the towel. It wasn't he turned on him in the match. He he did do that too, but not like this. And I think Scott's one of the, the better turns, I think. But I just don't like what he did with it. I, I think it's one of the better turns. I, I'll give you that, TW. But I'll go with this reflection. As you said, everybody wants to join the NWO. So that it defeats the purpose. Because, again, we're talking about 1998. We're talking about th- this war is going on since from July 1996, and then he turns a couple of months before July of 98. So that's almost two years. So let's say let's say a year and change, a year and seven months into the feud, and you're part of the feud. You're part of Team WCW against them. So and again, you have no choice. It's almost like you got bit by a zombie, and then you eventually turn into the zombie. So you turn into that. But like I said, I'm being objective here. He needed that because he wanted to separate himself from the tag team stigma. So, again, while you're joining, again, the cool kids, Reflectionites, he was thinking about the long game. And that long game, TW, and we got to be honest, 
is a very successful long game, multiple time heavyweight champion. You know, he he did this thing in TNA. He did this thing in WWE for a couple, you know, for a year or two or whatever. But the name recognition alone and then the, the nickname itself, the Big Bad Booty Daddy, he has one of the most infamous promos in wrestling history, Reflection Nights, the mathematics promo <laughs> in TNA. It, you know, I understand it. That's algebra. That's calculus. All rolled into one, Reflection Nights. That is the most famous promo. And actually, if you look at the math, he was actually he was actually correct. That was Impact? That. that was Impact Wrestling. Yeah. I thought it was NWO. I, I really thought it was WCW. I did not know. It was it was TNA Impact Wrestling with, with that promo. So, again... You know, we're going to be a little bit abbreviated again. The voice is raspy. He was, you know, he had, he still has the, the, the tag that he went to the Village People concert. But again, neither here nor there for TW. But we have to at least, there was one joining the NWO that made no sense. Same. But, no, that was Wolfpack. That, don't, that doesn't count. But I'm talking about the American Dream, yeah. Dusty Rhodes. Now, if you heard the commentary reflection, that's the reason I did not like this. And again, if you go to the kayfabe commentaries, I think uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Ash pushed for this because, again, they got all the respect in the world for Dusty Rhodes. They got all the respect and adulation for Dusty Rhodes' track record, his legacy and all that stuff. And, you know, T.W., it's like you say with Hulk Hogan and being with his buddies. You're going to protect your buddies. You're going to you know, bring your buddies in for the ride. So I understood the, the friend thinking. I understood the business thinking of making sure your friends are in a better position. Don't get me wrong. But for me, when he joined the NWO and betrayed, like, supposedly Nitro, WCW, and Larry Sabisco, it was semantics for me. I just knew that, like you said, it's just another, another guy joining this that he didn't really need it. He was supposed to be the guy talking about tradition. He was supposed to be the guy carrying that flag and being the cheerleader for tradition. It made no sense and didn't really last a long time. Again, I don't want to go into the business part, TW, because again, behind the scenes, you know, the management was kooky at best. Even with Bischoff running the helm, there was a lot of dysfunction. And Dusty Rose was on TV for a couple of weeks, you know, being at, at Scott Hall's side, and then he disappeared too. So neither here nor there. But it was a heel turn that wasn't needed. And I know that Dusty Rose was a bad guy originally reflectionized. Don't get me wrong. I remember the Texas Outlaws. I may be 46, but I do remember him and Dick Murdoch. Him and Dick Murdoch, you know, doing the, their stuff in the AWA. Him and Dick Murdoch doing their stuff in Florida Championship Wrestling. All that stuff. Don't get me wrong. He was a badass villain. I got that. But this was Dwayne TW. It just didn't fit the mold. You know, some people need need that heel turn, but then. Some people just are good guys no matter what because you just love them to death. Dusty Rose is just one of those guys. Even when he tries to be bad, you can't you can't boo him. You just love him. And it wasn't had nothing to do with the NWO. It was just the legacy of Dusty Rose. What say you about the American Dween, Dusty Rose? It, it it almost feels like Dusty would be the one going, I want to turn. You know what I mean? Like it's I could see Flair have wanting. Flair would have been probably behind the scenes like fuck those guys because he was so mad at how he was treated. But mm -hmm. Dusty getting in there, I think. But here's the other thing: I would think Dusty and Macho fall in the same. Um, I I I I think both of them were trying to reinvent the wheel with Hogan. Like mm -hmm. no, Macho Man will never do it. Dusty will never do it, and they did it, and they were doing it for shock value. 
Um, so for, for me, I think that's what it was. Maybe they were losing some steam when they added him in there and they just thought it would, or they were afraid they were going to lose steam. So adding him in there, they thought would have that shock factor. And instead uh-huh. it just looked like him too. Like fucking nobody's, you know, like, fuck, show me somebody who doesn't. And, and who was that? And became the most popular guy there? DDP. Uh-huh. That's what they needed to do. Someone reject them. And, and that made that guy the most popular guy on the roster because he didn't do what everybody else did. Well, DDP saw there was money to be made by being the one guy that wasn't going to turn to the dark side Reflection Nights. So, you know, I'm going to do one more TW and then we'll close that out because, again, like I said, I don't want to, you know, delve into every fucking heel turn. But I got to at least talk about one that was so, you know, it was not confusing. It was just redundant. It was stupid. And then you could tell that they did not have a plan for him. And that man was the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And you're holding him up, and you kind of knew where I was going with this because yeah. you already talked about Macho Man. It was that was semantics, and you. I'm I'm glad you put him and uh, Dusty Rose together in the same bubble because I kind of agree with that. But we got to talk about Bret Hart to close it out, Reflectionites. And Bret Hart came in representing tradition. He came in representing the legacy of the Hart family. He came in represent. He came in with all that momentum of being screwed by Vince McMahon and corporate greed and all that stuff. He was supposed to be the the flag bearer, not for WCW, just the flag bearer for tradition and the guy that was going to take the war and turn it over to WCW. Now, you, we can understand that, you know, the NWO and WCW was like, you know, doing their pitches towards him because he wasn't like picking a side. But then when he picked the side at Starcade and all that stuff, but TW just didn't last that long. And it just felt like maybe it was Hogan like, you know what, I'm not going to fight him. He should just join us. It just makes more all the sense in the world. Or he should just fight for the U.S. title. I don't want him around the heavyweight title picture. I don't want him in that heavyweight main event title scene. So it was kind of like not only confusing Reflection Nights, but it just didn't mesh with the professor. It just didn't mesh on TV. And and Bret Hart looked lost in 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 on Nitro. He looked lost on Thunder. He looked lost on pay-per-view. Even though he put on good matches against Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, Sting, and all that stuff, TW. Don't get me wrong. Bret Hart joining the NWO with all that thunder coming from WWE and being the guy that's supposed to tip the scales, if you will, to the side of WCW made no sense in the world. So with that being said, let's close it out on Bret, the hitman Hart. It is it's exactly it. It's, it's like we got him, but we don't know what we're going to do with him. Like first he comes in and reenacts the screw job. Mm-hmm. Um, then he does this that, and the other thing. I think then he won the U.S. title first. That was the first thing he went for. Yeah, that's that's the first title he won. Yeah, so it's like they're trying to fucking build him up, fast track him to the world title instead of just saying, "Hey, he's a world title contender" because he's a four time world champion or whatever he was um, mm-hmm. at the time. And so, joining the NWO is, again, it's like f- that, that's the biggest problem with the NWO. It started off so good, and yeah, you got to add these members because you got to make it look like it's never ending like it's overwhelming never ending and the more wwe guys that show up like the more hard it's going to be for wcw but wcw never won in the end 
Mm-hmm. And that's what they needed. And what better way to win in the end than having a fucking absolute WWE guy come help them beat the old WWE guys and and win it for WCW. And and yeah, and it was you could tell from day one. Uh, no, I think he had some passion coming out doing that ringing the bell thing and saying, no, 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 we're not doing that here. I think he had fun doing that because it made sense. Everything else he did, Brett looked like he was there getting a check. Right. It was it was not good. It, it, was, it was not Brett. Yeah, it was not Brett, but he took the money like everybody else did. So I'm not mad. We're not mad right. at him taking no, the money. And Vince made him. It's not he took Vince first. And Vince said, Hey, let me negotiate with, with Bischoff for you. And it's like, wow. You imagine how hurt he was? And then the way it and the way it did is even worse. Well, again, that's hindsight, that's semantics. But at the moment with him joining the NWO, he joined the NWO twice, if you will, reflectionize. He joined it in 1998 because, again, Hogan did not want to, you know, do what I think a lot of people were, were thinking about. They thought it was there was going to be a Bret Hart Hulk Hogan program, maybe by Halloween Havoc or something like that. I'm not saying that that was the plan, T.W. Maybe Bret Hart was told that. And you know how Bret Hart kind of says these things in kayfabe commentaries. So I don't know. I can't take it for base value. But I think he even thought himself he was going to have a program with Hogan. It was no brainer not to have the guy of the 80s against the guy of the 90s of WWE fighting on WCW television or WCW pay-per-view. Maybe that's what he thought. And then when they tried to rebrand the NWO in 2000, and then when he was the heavyweight champion and joining Hall Nash, and then when they condensed it, it was Hall, Nash, Hart, and Jeff Jarrett as the full horseman type of NWO, what they did in 2000, people were like, oh, God, no. Call yourself a different name. Call yourself the click. Don't call yourself... Now you're trying to reach, you know, re-spin the wheel and all that stuff and try to, you know, recapture a magic that was gone in since 1997 at the most. And I'm being nice here, TW. So with that being said, TW, you have anything closing thoughts and then we'll close it out or you have a question. I have a question. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the list of people in there and towards the latter, the latter ending of WCW. Was it our very own April Hunter was in the NWO? Or is that a different April Hunter? Uh, you would ha- We would have to ask Big Red. I don't, on the women's scale, I remember Elizabeth. No, remember- it's towards the end of the run. There's, uh, says Medasia, Tylene Buck, whoever that is, April Hunter, oh. Pamela Paul Shock. That's it. Those are the well, four girls. Well, that was probably 2000 with the Big Bad Booty Daddy and the, the NWO 2000. So maybe April yeah. was. Yeah, all four of them he, were 2000. He was part, she, was, she was part of uh, the Big Bad Booty Daddy parade, if you will. He w- but they weren't wearing NWO shirts. They were just part of uh, – that was the Big Bad Booty Daddy's entourage, if you will. I just remember Elizabeth. I remember Tori Wilson. I didn't remember the, the girls except Medasia, but then she was – she was the only one left after the, the Big Bad Booty Parade. I guess they didn't want to pay all the other women. So if April Hunter from the A-Show Reflectionized was part of that, you know, check, check your hands, Reflectionized. You know, check, check those KY jellies because probably, well, you know, no disrespect to April Hunter. But, again, she deserves strong J uh, applause for KY jelly. But, again, <laughs> neither here nor there. So with that being said, we close on this special condensed spotlight edition 
of the greatest heel turns. Maybe it's more of a the greatest tweener turns, if you will, Reflectionites, of joining the New World Order. So, you know, TW's got a little raspy voice, so I'm going to close out with all the socials as best as I can. So, with that being said, you know, TW, just nod your head and re- if I'm trying to remember a lot of this stuff. The PWR podcast is available on Twitter at the PW Reflection. Agree? Is, is that yep. right? Okay. And if this gets uploaded by A-Track Brown, this will be available on the YouTube networks after our strike is uh, lifted on the PWS YouTube networks. Again, follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine and Obi-Wan, you know me, and 8-Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. Follow Pastor Travis Bolts at Nuts and Bolts uh, Wrestling or Pro Wrestling? PW. Nuts and Bolts PW at his Xer or Twitter. Follow JB at, which, uh, is it Professor JB? Man, you, you at the P1JB. At the P1JB. And again, follow executive producer extraordinaire. See, again, TW, you know, I'm trying to rush your voice, but you have to abbreviate and just help you out a little bit here. Follow the executive producer extraordinaire at all platforms TikTok, Grinder, Xer, all that stuff. Tinder, well, not Tinder, he's married, but at Big Ray Hernandez. Yay or nay on that? Did I get it right? All of them at Big Ray. And uh, follow TW on his Facebook at Tom Bryant. If I remember, I'm not, I'm got, I ain't doing that link shit. Fight Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. But there you go. See, there you go. And he is on all platforms at the Xer at Tommy Wonder, right? Oh, at Tommy Wonder 19 is Instagram. At, and at Snapchat is Number Wonder. Number at one, the Tommy Wonder is TikTok and Twitter, and at Tommy Wonder nineteen is also a Twitter. There, there you go. I try. I tried reflection nights. I tried to rest his voice, but he got most of that stuff. So what we're gonna do next week, reflection nights? We might go episodic. We might go with the movies. We might do rivalries. We might do another spy bike. But I'll keep you on your toes, reflection nights. I'll keep you on your toes. And that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Raspy Voice, Mr. Dum Dum Do It It's Own, Mr. Number Wonder. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight and we'll see you next time here at the PWR podcast at Tommy Media Group at podmeme.com. Peace. Peace. Don't rest your voice, goddammit. <laughs>